Thank you. Good evening, church. If you'd like to turn with me in your own Bibles to Luke chapter 8 in the New Testament. Luke chapter 8 together, please. And when we're all there, we'll start reading from verse 41 together. Luke chapter 8, verse 41 starts and reads, And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue. And he fell down at Jesus' feet and besought him that he would come into his house. For he had one only daughter, about twelve years of age, and she lay a-dying. But as he went, the people thronged him, And a woman having an issue of blood twelve years, which had spent all her living upon physicians, neither could be healed of any, came behind him and touched the border of his garment, and immediately her issue of blood stanched. And Jesus said, Who touched me? When all denied, Peter and they that were with him said, Master, the multitude throng thee and press thee, and sayest thou who touched me? And Jesus said, Somebody hath touched me, for I perceive that virtue is gone from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hid, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared unto him before all the people for what cause she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said unto her, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace. While he yet spake, there cometh one from the ruler of the synagogue's house, saying to him, Thy daughter is dead. Trouble not the master. But when Jesus heard it, he answered him, saying, Fear not, believe only, and she shall be made whole. Amen. Let's just bow our heads briefly. We'll ask God to help us. If you believe God's the author of the Bible, then... You know you need to seek him before he can open your eyes. So let's just bow our heads briefly before we can look at the word. Our gracious Father in heaven, we are grateful that we have your word here. We do pray that you would help us to understand it. We do pray that just as Elijah was when he could hear the earthquake, the fire, and even much more going on, it was only through a still small voice that you spoke to him. So, Father, we do pray that you would speak to us privately, even privily in a still, small voice, so that even we could understand and know for certain that it's you that speaks. So, Father, touch our hearts, we do pray. Use the word now. May it be spoken in a great way with authority and power, but please, Lord, help me not to lean on my own understanding. So, Father, use your words by thy spirit. Bless your people here, even they that watch. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you'd like to just look down back in 41, if it's on the other page like mine, look down in 41, we'll start there. I didn't know actually what to preach. I was thinking of a few different sermons. I think I changed it four times this week, and I'm glad that our brother spoke on what he did this morning. I thought it was very fitting about God's planning, suffering, doubts, fears, faith. What we would think should click together just right doesn't seem to go the way that we plan to. And I've been reading a few books that 
a brother from a different church, he suggested to me, uh, my wife got it for my birthday, a few books I sent to the children at Sunday school. When you get to my age, you get books for your birthday. And I've been reading them. They've been a great blessing to me. The one is called War and Grace. War and Grace. I recommend you read it. And I've been reading the accounts of some people that they were converted before a war, before a conflict or during or even after. And it's blessed me very, very greatly. And it was just at the back of reading Corey Ten Boom's autobiography, The Hiding Place, all that she went through. Her and her parents, her sister, her father, the suffering they had under Nazi Germany, Nazi rule, and then the suffering they had after that. And after Cory ten Boom went through the concentration camp, the imprisonments, the suffering, stripped of everything they had, every opportunity to serve, she remembered the last words that she heard her father speak, which was when the Nazis put them in the back of an army truck, he said, I will continue to do what I do. Anyone who needs my help this house shall be a help for them. And no doubt, you know, you know that they were hiding Jews in a secret place in the walls. And then the last words of her sister Betsy was, the Lord needs to know what went on here. Not just the evil, but the good. In the middle of a women's concentration camp, the Lord needed the word to go out so that many, many could hear, not just of the evil, but of the good. And that's why I believe he spared Corey's life. And I believe that people suffer and God uses it for good, just as our brother Seth said earlier. If you look down in verse 41, I'm glad we have the word because it helps us to understand who our God is, not just to understand what he spoke. If you've read any kind of book, you'll know you don't just read what the author said, but you get to understand and you get to know the author himself as well. So that's why I believe that reading the Bible daily is of utmost importance. So I believe that God will show us here in verse 41, and behold... There came a man named Jairus. We'll go back to in a little while why we believe his name's there and what it means. And it tells us who he was. He was a ruler of the synagogue. This is a local synagogue in Galilee. And it says that he came and fell down at Jesus' feet and besought him that he would come into his house. Why would a man like Jairus, a ruler of the synagogue, why would he run and besought the Lord Jesus Christ at his feet in public. Why would he do this? For he had only one daughter, about 12 years of age, and she lay dying. So this man Jairus, respected member of the community, a religious teacher, no doubt. And this man, he's brought to his knees in public because he knows that Jesus is his daughter's only hope. And he only has one daughter, He's 12 years old. Now put yourself in this man's shoes. It's easy to read past these accounts very, very quickly. Put yourself in his shoes. He only has one daughter. Teaching at the synagogue was not going to help his daughter on the Sabbath. Maybe offering up prayers might have helped, but he thought, I need something else. And he knew that Jesus was passing by. And he ran to Jesus, besought him to his knees. And said, Lord, I need you to come into my house. I need you to come because I only have one daughter. Only one. And he thought he was going to lose her. And he knew not just that Jesus could heal her. He knew that the Lord Jesus would care enough to even step foot in his house. Now, as I said, you can know a lot of doctrine. You can know a lot of the Bible. But do you know who the Lord is? And do you understand why he did the things he did? And it continues on, as the people thronged him, in verse 43, it tells us of another woman. And a woman, we're not told her age, but a woman having an issue of blood, 
12 years. That means she had a health scare, a health issue that would not stop. Imagine a health issue day in, day out for 12 long years. Just to give you a bit of context, the Lord Jesus would have been about the age of 18 or 19 when the beginning of this woman's suffering started. Picture that. Picture 12 years ago where you were and years full of suffering. No hope. It even tells us a bit more info about the lady. It says, which had spent all her living upon physicians, neither could be healed of any. Imagine being in her shoes. Imagine you're at that place. You have saw every avenue to heal you, to sort out your problem that you have. And by the way, this was an intimate problem to her, a personal problem to her that no one else knew about. And the Lord knows all of our personal problems and faults and issues. And he cares deeply, just as you do for yours, just as you do for your children. He cares very, very deeply. We do have a high priest in heaven that has been touched with the feeling of our infirmities. We do have a high priest in heaven, not just that can relate to us, but that cares very deeply for what you go through. And sometimes we can think, does God care? Does God care enough to save my child? Does he care enough to heal our land? He surely does. When you think, well, where is God? People say that to me all the time. Where is God? The first day I started working at a company, I was put with this engineer and I told him I was a Christian. And it's quite wise, do that early on. And then they're not caught off guard. But I was speaking to him and he said, I don't believe in God. I said, why is that? And he said, why do children die? Why the suffering? Why this? Why that? And then there was a young man at Youth Rally on Friday. He's about 14 years old. He said that his school teacher said the same thing to him. Why do children die? Why is there suffering? Why is there heartache and heartbreak? And it never ceases to end. It goes in day in, day out. Why is that? Well, that doesn't answer the question because if there is no God, why is there suffering? That doesn't answer the question, does it? Why is there grief? Why is there pain? Why is there shame and guilt and agony in this world? Why is that? And we would know the answer to be sin. Most of it is conflict implicated by ourselves or other people, not necessarily by God. But knowing through this suffering, how does God react? That's what we should know. As Christians, men and women of God, we should know why God allows it and how he reacts and how he feels. So look here. She had an issue of blood, 12 years, and her reaction was this. Jesus passes by. What about if he doesn't again? As Jesus passes by, he could be my only hope, my only chance. What could have run through her head? I'd hate for it to think something that would run through my head because I would think, well, he's obviously going to save a young girl who's only 12 years old. I'm not too important at the moment. Maybe he should do that first and then maybe... He'd come across my door and knock it one day when, it, when it's perfect and suitable and I know everything would be right. When I, when I finally give away my last penny, I think Jesus will turn up then. Or she can acknowledge that the time is now. Her time to be healed is now. She could have accepted that or she could just think, what about the people, the throng? I mean, no one knows I have this issue. No one knows that I'm lost. No one knows that I'm broken. No one knows... I've been bleeding with an issue of blood for 12 long years. If I go to him now, they'll know my problem. Many of us put off coming to the Lord for similar reasons, don't we? We think, what would my parents think? I, I've come across children like that. They think, my parents think I'm a Christian already. And I know I'm not. The Lord's revealed it to me. I certainly am not. Far from being a Christian. Should they put it off? Certainly not. Now 
is the accepted time to come to the Lord and be healed of your infirmity. It carries on. I love this account. Verse 44, look down. And it says, she came behind him and touched the border of his garment and immediately her issue of blood stanched. That means it ceased straight away, gone. She tried to do it secretly. She tried to do it where no one else would know. And she even thought, maybe the Lord might not even notice, but I believe he can heal me. I believe it. She would go through the risk to do that because she believed. But then look, look at the Lord's response here. I always pondered on this. I thought, I don't get it. It's almost like the Lord didn't know what happened to his response. But look down with me. It says this in verse 45. And Jesus said, who touched me? I'm sure if I asked you now, does the Lord know who touched him? Of course he did. But look down. There's a reason why he done it. When all denied, Peter and they that were with him said, Master, the multitude thronged thee and pressed thee, and sayest thou who touched me? By the way, there's over 7 billion people in this world. All of the environments they're in, all of the things, all of the problems that goes on on a day-in, day-out basis. Believe me, I don't even know the problems that go on in my life in a 24-hour day. But the Lord knows every single one of them. He knows what goes on everywhere. Nothing is hidden from him, and he still cares about you and your issues. He cares very deeply. It carries on, and Peter said, Look, there's too much going on. You couldn't have known who touched you. And Jesus said, somebody hath touched me, for I perceive that virtue is gone out of me. In another one of the Gospels, it says power is gone from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hid, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared unto him before all the people for what cause she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. Why did the Lord give the impression that he was simple concerning this? Why would the Lord say to Adam and Eve, where are you hiding? Adam, where are you? What have you done? And he does that several times. Why? For an open confession. Why? So that others might know that a young lady had been healed. Not just healed as in she had a problem and the physician healed her. No, no. An issue of blood for 12 years. By the way, that would have kept her out of fellowship. An issue for 12 years that would have kept her away from the synagogue. An issue of blood that many physicians let her down in. She spent, imagine it, she spent all of her living, everything she had, what she considered to be of utmost importance was for her to be healed. Now let me put it in language we'll understand and apply it to ourselves today. Is being healed by God the most important thing to you? Would you give up everything so that you could be saved? What's of utmost importance to you? Being right before God or having money that will not last forever? Having a status that will not last forever? This woman thought it was the utmost importance that Jesus Christ would heal her. And I love what it says. Look down in uh, verse 47 still. She declared, by the way, someone who was very shy about this issue before, she declared unto him before all the people for what cause she had touched him. By the way, she only managed to touch the hem of his garment just to get close enough. And it says here, and how she was healed immediately. The Lord changed my life about 10 years ago now, nearly 10 years ago. I went out into a town center. Many of you know my testament. I went out into my town center nearly 10 years ago, expecting to just run a few errands, not knowing that I would meet the living God that evening. He saved my soul and changed my life immediately. And I'm sure many of you can relate to that. And he did that for this woman. 
But look what he says in verse 48. And he didn't do this in secret. And by the way, if Jesus hadn't have turned in response to the woman, she would have still been healed. What was done was done. But look at the Lord's response. He said unto her, this is in front of everyone, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace. Now get the context here. There's a multitude of people. They're following the Lord. They want to see what's going on. Some people were there because they just wanted to see action. They wanted to see a miracle. Many were there because they knew that he was the Christ. This lady was there because she knew that she could be healed. But look at his response. He says this in front of everyone. Daughter, be of good comfort. I love this. You know that this is the only time in the Gospels that Christ refers to someone as daughter. Now look back. Jairus only had one daughter and he thought that he was going to lose her. But look at it from the Lord's perspective. I love this story. You, you wouldn't even know it's there if you read quickly. The Lord inherited a daughter for himself while he's on the way to give someone else back their daughter. What a wonderful, heartfelt God. I hate when people say, God doesn't care. If there was God, he does not care about it. He cares very, very deeply. You just need to know who he is. And then you'll know the love that he has shed abroad to this world is much more than we ever deserved. He says, daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace. Now that she's a daughter, now that she's a child of the king, you know what he says to her? Because it's important for her to know this. Not for everyone else necessarily, but it's of deep importance for her to know. He says, daughter, she knows who she is, according to him, where she stands. She's a daughter. Be of good comfort. Isn't that something the Lord does for us? He didn't leave us comfortless, did he? In fact, he sent the comforter into the hearts of his people. He carries on. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace. She needed to hear that. She knew that she had been healed. She knew the virtue that went. She knew that she had been healed. But she needed to hear, daughter, be of good comfort. Now, this is something I really struggled with when I was a new believer. I struggled with the doubts. In fact, it was, it was even tormenting. The doubts I had. Am I truly a believer? Am I not? Did, 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 it, did I ask the Lord to save me at the right time in the right way? Did, was my heart right? Maybe I just heard the Bible in such wisdom and power that I thought it to be true, but at the time my heart might have changed. What, what do I do? Those doubts didn't come from God, by the way. And some of you might have had similar doubts. The horrible doubts that plague you. It's important that you know. It's a deep importance that Christ told her daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. If you know you've been saved, if you know that you were once broken and the Lord has healed you and put you back together, he says, go in peace. And by the way, there is no such thing as world peace, never has, never will, until the Prince of Peace bring his peace from a different world and brings a different world here. It's important that we know that we have peace in our hearts with our God. People who were enemies of God, but we now have peace through our Lord Jesus Christ. I love that, that he needed to tell her that before he carried on. And as it carries on, verse 49, while he yet spake. So as he's speaking to the lady, there cometh one from the ruler of the synagogue's house saying to him, thy daughter is dead. Trouble not the master. Anyone have a story where all hope is lost? 
Jesus can no longer help you now? Look what the Lord's response is. When Jesus heard it, he answered him saying, fear not, believe only. How does the Lord instruct you? Do not fear. In fact, have the opposite. Believe. Dost thou believe it's the works of God? Do you trust him? Even when it's very dark, when it's very tempting to give up, when it's very, very nasty in your life, in your world, whatever circumstances you go through. It's easy and very cliche to just say, have faith, have faith. But when you know that the Lord has said it, fear not, believe only. I love how simplistic he puts it. Just believe, just trust me. Because he has your best interests at heart, he certainly does. And now he continues on. And she shall be made whole. And when he came into the house, he suffered no man to go in, save Peter and James and John, and the father and mother of the maiden. And all wept and bewailed her. But he said, weep not. She is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn, knowing that she was dead. Listen, according to, have you ever had a, you know, growing up brother or sister that woke you up? Maybe your dad woke you up, crack of dawn, dragged you out of bed by your ankle. I had that a few times. My brother got it much worse though. Now, just as you would have woken up a brother or sister perhaps, or they would have woken you up, it's quite easily done, isn't it? But according death, according to the Lord, is just like waking someone up from sleep. What he can do, not even go there and be present, not even touch, but he could just say the words. And look down with me, it says this. He put all of them out. The scoffers, the naysayers, the ones who didn't believe, the faithless. He put them all out. And took her by the hand and called, saying, Maid, arise. And her spirit came again, and she arose straightway, and he commanded to give her meat. I love this about Jairus, because he left his daughter in a position she was in to go and get Jesus. He left her to go and get Jesus because he knew that he was their only hope. You might have thought, is, is that a good father? If you're looking at the first two minutes when he walks out the door, but then he brings back Jesus. What a great father. Looking out for his daughter like that. But it doesn't just stop there. I, I love how we can look out and care for the livelihoods of our children. But what about their souls? What about our children, our relatives, our families? Are their souls of that much importance that we would run to Jesus and be on our knees and beg him to do something with their lives? Have you done that? Jairus did it. It was of utmost importance to him. I love what he says here. Made arise. And her spirit came again. And she arose straightway. And he commanded to give her meat. What was the Lord's next commandment? Make sure that she's fed. Make sure that she's sustained. Make sure that she's strong. And if there's new believers around, it's important for us to make sure that they're fed. A good church will make sure that the flock is fed and protected. And no doubt Jairus cared greatly before her healing. What do you think he would have been like after? Very caring father, no doubt. But been providing for her and helping her. It's important for new believers, if you're a young Christian, or if you're a young person, make sure you read the word and walk with your God. Make sure that you're strong. And others who are more mature in the faith, as it were, recognize that. Recognize that. The name Jairus, we're not given the name of the lady who had the issue of blood 12 years, but the name Jairus means he enlightens. He enlightens. Now, it's a very dark place in his life. 
And he could have known the meaning of his name long before this. But it was only when that was fulfilled when Jesus entered his life. And much can be fulfilled when Jesus enters our lives. Not just our lives individually, but also as a family, as a church. Is Jesus even present? Or was he just a byword? Jesus passed through our city once. I heard this story. I heard about this great revival. I heard of what Christians did in the past. I love to hear about what Christians did in the past. I love to hear the great things that the Lord has done. But what's he doing now? Is he still working? Or did God stop caring in 2020? He is still working and he shall continue the work that he started. And he shall build his church. If you want to be a part of that, I suggest that you get on the right track with him. Know that you've been saved and have that peace and that comfort which passes all understanding so that you can be of assurance and serve God all the days of your life. Now, some of you might think, well, I mean, I don't like to think that I need the Lord. Prideful people, scorners, scoffers, they didn't think they needed the Lord. They thought all hope was lost. Other people said that to me when I became a Christian. I was like, how are you going to live as a Christian? That, that doesn't make any sense. It's like, isn't, that's just like a totally different life in their mind. How are you going to be able to do that? And the scoffing, the laughing came. I'm sure you've had that as well. But the Lord's been with me. I haven't been faithful to him in everything I should have been, but the Lord has been with me. And he has been with you. Be of good comfort. He has overcome the world, hasn't he? Be of good comfort. He shall continue on healing more and more. Be of good comfort, my son or my daughter. You can walk with him and be assured that he will heal you and continue to do so. So I, I appeal to you now that Jesus is your only hope. You might have an issue. You might have a, a, a heartbreaking past. Whatever the case is, the Lord has cared, is caring and will care in your situation. And he'll help you greatly if you come to him. If the woman could have thought, there'll be a next time. There might not be a next time. We do not know. Jairus could have thought, he'll come and teach in my synagogue. No doubt, I'll speak to him then. There might not have been a next time. Now is the appointed time. The Lord Jesus did not do anything coincidentally or accidentally. He appointed a time where he would pass by. It was not coincidental. You read the story, there, there is no coincidences. None whatsoever. The timing, the numbers, the people, the names, absolutely everything. There is no coincidences. It's no coincidence that you are here today. The year that you were born, the name that you were given, there is no coincidences. And the evil that has befallen you too. The Lord can use it for good. And you will be able to relate and help people in a way that I might not be able to. Through your experience, through your life, through God's guidance. And I do pray that you would do that. I do pray that you would live for him in a way that would be able to bless on the next generation and people that are hurting in this world that you would never even know. No one would have known that that woman had an issue of blood. They might have known she had a lot of money and then at one point she had no money. That's all we see. But the Lord saw her issue all those years. Like I said, he was about 18, 19 by the time that issue started. Why didn't he do something then? She ha he had to wait for her to spend every last penny. You might be someone, you're at the very end of your tether, holding on by the skin of your teeth, and you do not know what is going to happen next. Jesus cares very greatly. If you come to him and plead before him, he will help you. He's done it in my life. He's done it in many others' lives that I know of. 
Be of good comfort, Christian. And if you haven't been saved, you can be healed. You know who needs to be made whole? They that are broken. They that are broken need to admit their brokenness and realize that only God can put them back together. So I hope that this has been a blessing to you. I hope it helps you greatly. But be of good comfort is what I leave you with so that you can go in peace. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the word. We thank you for our Lord Jesus and how he helps, how he blesses us so greatly in ways that we don't even know and how he has been patient with us. We thank you that you passed by our lives and that you were willing to help us and save us. Even when others thought, no, not him, not her. Even when others thought that they could just make fun and even stop the work of God, you still pressed on. You would not stop. We thank you that you even went to the cross, despising the shame for the glory that was set before you, that you might receive not just one daughter, but many, many sons to glory. So, Father, we praise you, we bless you. Help us to make you known, our great healer, our redeemer, and our great saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.